0: global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. from Bloomberg World, Headquarters. I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all declining right now with the S&P down seven-tenths of one percent. Banks are retreating amid growing concern that Deutsche Bank's woes will spread to the global financial sector. Shares of Deutsche Bank, they're down 6.7 percent now at 11.48. Now, has stacked down 41, a drop there of eight-tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials down 158, a decline there of nine-tenths of 1%. The 10-year up 4.32, yield 1.56%. Gold up 230 the ounce, gaining two-tenths of 1% to 13.21. And crude oil, West Texas Intermediate, advancing 1.4%, now up 65 cents a barrel, 47.71 on WTI. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. It's time now for the ETF report. It's brought to you by Witham Smith and Brown, CPAs, audit, tax and advisory services, helping you and your business be in a position of strength. Experience the Witham way by visiting witham.com. Let's go to Catherine Cowdery for our exchange traded funds report.
2: Smart beta and factor ETFs are becoming increasingly popular among institutional investors. The latest FTSE Russell survey of global institutional asset owners shows 72% of those who responded are implementing or actively evaluating smart beta indexes. That's up from 44% just last year. Rolf Agather, Managing Director of Research for FTSE Russell North America, on how these institutional investors are putting smart beta and factor ETFs to work.
1: In the low-return environment now, a lot of institutions are trying to to boost those returns, and so looking at smart beta or factor products uh, enables them to actually maybe add something to that.
2: Agatha on the most popular smart beta and factor ETFs among institutional investors this year.
1: If you you look at what's actually in place now, where asset owners have actually made investments, it does tend to be in low volatility, value strategies, fundamentally weighted strategies, but when we ask questions about what's being evaluated potentially for future use, you now are seeing an increase in multi factor strategies.
2: Agatha says smart beta and factor ETFs can potentially replace hedge funds. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm
3: Katherine Cowdery.
0: You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio.
3: After the central role, That big banks played in the last financial crisis. People get understandably nervous. One of the world's biggest banks finds itself with its stock falling and people wondering about the future of the bank. Will Deutsche Bank's problems rise to the level we saw just some seven, eight years ago? Peter Cheer joins us now, head of macro strategy at Breen Capital here in our New York studio. So you watch all the signals so closely, Peter. You watch stocks. You watch derivatives. The market, is it really all that concerned yet?
4: No, I don't think it's that concerned. I think today was one of those examples where we saw a headline hit about collateral issues or people pulling some collateral out of Deutsche Bank in terms of their prime brokerage business, and that led to us sell-off in markets. I think that was very quickly you know, stopped and changed. And when I look at this right now, I don't think there's a systemic risk being posed by Deutsche Bank. Peter, Chair,
1: let's put Deutsche Bank just
4: to the side for a minute. You make any money last quarter, this quarter? <laughs> We've been doing okay. One of the things we caught early on was we shifted a lot of our investments to LIBOR-based. So we took advantage of this rise in LIBOR. We shifted to leverage loans. We shifted out of high yield. So we've been a little bit more on the conservative side, and we've pushed away from the yield-based investments. Why did the LIBOR rate move in your favor? You know, I think there were two things going on. One, there's all this regulation that's going into full effect on um, the 14th of October, which means money markets have less ability to you know invest in anything other than T-bills. So there's a cost that's been associated with that. I think the other part is ICE itself. So ICE actually controls LIBOR now and how it's calculated.
1: Intercontinental exchange.
4: exchange. Yes. Um, And so what they've been trying to do is make it more of a market-based benchmark rather than just banks submitting where they want to. It still is in that process. But as it shifts, I think that will have a permanent effect to make LIBOR higher. And it's a good thing for everyone, right? No one wants to go through another round of lawsuits associated with LIBOR. Everyone wants to say that it's a clean, very fair, and market you know, neutral index, and as that occurs, I think that's pushed LIBOR higher to get rid of some of the artificial lowness of it.
3: Well, of course, uh, let's don't have LIBOR be a problem. Let's don't have big banks get themselves in trouble and have to pay millions of dollars of fines, and of course, that's one of the reasons why Deutsche Bank is under pressure and people are concerned. Why did you just say that this is not Anywhere near rising to the level of systemic risk?
4: So I think a couple of things. First and foremost, I think for all banks, we've seen a big pullback in terms of these bilateral swap trades. A lot of that counterparty risk that was extremely prevalent in 2007, 2008, even in 2010 11 when the European banking crisis was in turmoil, has been pulled back. It's gone exchange traded. So I think it's much better managed. There's fewer potential surprises from that sort of a situation arising. Then beyond that, I think the reality is that no regulator will allow another Lehman-type moment. So we already have the ECB steps in. They've already provided a lot of funding to banks. They will provide more funding to banks. No bank will get into trouble because they can't fund themselves overnight or short term because the central banks will provide for that. And then I think the governments at some level, they may extract a big pound of flesh to do so, but at some level they will step in to protect the institutions and the systemic risks. No one wants to even test another Lehman-type moment. All right so i
1: 'm just been trying to get this LIBOR number for you, so you can just we can put it into some kind of uh, context here because you know take a look at what 's going on right now in the bond market you got got look you know you got buying right i mean yeah. you got the buying at the long and the short end i mean the the thirty year is uh up uh, nine thirty seconds two point two seven you take a look at the uh, Ten-year, we're talking about 1.55, also a bit higher, uh, 4.30 seconds. Now, uh, looking uh, at LIBOR, uh, the fix is what? One-year
4: LIBOR at 1.55. Right. So you're almost the same as where you are on the 10-year. So we've been looking to get people into one-year LIBOR type of paper. A lot of it's home equity-related and where you get that pickup and you give up and you don't have to take the interest rate risk. At the same time I think from a personal standpoint anyone out there who has a home equity line of credit of any form or any sort of arm should be looking what it's benchmarks against and if it is against libor you're now paying much more than maybe if you roll this into fixed or some other thing. So I think from a personal level you're supposed to be taking a look is your home equity loan tied to LIBOR? If so, maybe you want to re-examine whether floating is the right sense or whether you want to move to a different floating rate benchmark.
3: Of course, rates, a lot of global forces that determine broadly where rates are heading central banks, but I'm particularly interested in your thoughts on OPEC because you, uh, like others, are maybe a bit skeptical of where that's going.
4: Yes, I think They had to announce some sort of plan. I think they felt the pressure to announce a plan because they wanted to control this recent slide, again, that we are seeing in oil. I'm sure also they wanted to detract a little bit from the fact that you know the U.S. was embroiled in legislation that would allow 9-11 victims to sue Saudi Arabia. So I can't believe that it's a coincidence that they announced this plan at the same time that's coming out. Will they live up to these standards? My doubt, I doubt it over time, right? I think their whole goal is to keep oil supported. And my view from a macroeconomic standpoint has been that oil will somewhere be in that 40 to 55 dollar range this year. And I think this just adds to that support. Maybe it'll trade up a little bit more. But as soon as it gets higher, it gets closer to 50, we'll see selling pressure come in. We'll see cheating within the OPEC nations. I think as it gets down to 40, supply comes off the U.S. and the OPEC members can say the right things to push it back. Trades you wish you had made during the quarter. You know, I was too pessimistic on the treasury market. I did not think the treasury market would rally to these new levels. We backed up to, you know. Why? You know, I think I'm seeing signs that the central banks are pulling back a little bit from QE, that maybe even the Bank of Japan's hinting at pulling back from QE. Like in what
1: way? Like they're not buying something?
4: That they might buy less of or just stay the same amount. In a world where everyone's been conditioned to see more and more buying, and I thought we're seeing a little bit of signs of inflation, a little bit more hawkish fed, so that's one thing I definitely missed is- What was the October 14th? Uh, note that I, that you want
1: to offer just in terms of because we've been talking about that on Taking Stock for a while. And it has to do with money market funds that many people treat as if they are bank accounts, but they are not by any means bank accounts.
4: They are not by any means bank accounts. Having said that, so this is all about breaking the buck and there's all sorts of rules now to ensure that money market funds can have some you know variations in value. I have not done the work. I saw some good work. I'll try and dig back up. But someone showed to me that The worst money market fund during the time of the crisis would have had a price of like 99.97. So it would have lost maybe $0.03 on a mark to market basis, and that's back when you were getting 4% yields. So it was probably less than three weeks or a month's worth of interest. So some of this, again, I think we're trying to fix problems that were never as big of a problem, and I am concerned that the solutions are going to cause new problems that we're not going to be prepared for.
3: How about another date coming up, November 8th? There's a lot of uh, analysis being done in Notesad saying, You know, you better be ready. Put your head down, get in a very defensive position because there could be a lot of volatility. And I think people don't just mean stocks. Depending on who gets elected,
4: you know, I think that's a risk. I think we see that every election cycle. Traditionally, VIX actually rises coming into October of, or sorry, into during October of election cycles. There's a part of me that wants to be a little bit more optimistic here that we are more likely to get a surprise and. As a Canadian, I actually don't vote, um, so I'm not opinionated in terms of that. I would like to see if the Democrats win, a little bit pull back on the rhetoric towards regulation. I think we actually do need less regulation, both in our industry and across the board, and I would like to see that to be the surprise there. And ultimately, you know, there's that old joke about the scorpion and the frog and the scorpion who stings the frog while giving them a ride across, that's what scorpions do. They sting. Well, Donald Trump is a builder. Ultimately, the thing that he knows how to do is borrow money and build. So I think we'd be, su- people will actually be surprised by his ability to get infrastructure spending going.
1: Well done. All right. Thanks very much. Peter Cheer. He is the head of macro strategy at Breen Capital. We're going to take you through to the close next on taking stock. And this is Bloomberg.